welcome to the Equipus Church Surrey podcast. We hope today's message encourages and inspires you. My title tonight, if you like titles, is Passionate People. Passionate people. Uh, as I was making the morning cup of tea for my household this morning, I was using glass cups, and you could see straight through them. And you pour the you pour the water into the tea bag. Always water before milk. Milk, hey church. Yeah, yeah. Pour the water in, and uh, you can see it. And not much happens straight away. And I left it for a bit. And then you get the you get the spoon, and you give it a little stir, and instantly it changes colour. And I know there's something good on the inside of you, and I believe God's given me an anointing tonight to stir it, because I want to see it. I don't just want to believe it's there, I want it to be put on display. The thing when you talk about passion is, can you even put words around that? What, what, what words describe passion? It's such a mix of stuff, because it's love, but it's not just love, it's more than love, because it's also pain, and it's also struggle, and it's also discomfort, but it's also joy, and it's commitment, and it's willingness, and it's connection, and it's all these words that we know kind of put into one pot that we call passion. But one thing we can say about passion is this, is it even passion if it doesn't have an expression? It's got to, passion has to display itself. Otherwise, it's not passion at all. It's just something squished down in here that might be there. Every single one of you has got passion in you. Will you allow me tonight to stir that up in you? But it's going to have to express itself. Come on, all of us, we've got something to give. Let me give you some thoughts around passion. People might say they are passionate about a sports team. Yeah? Are there any Brentford fans in the house tonight? Sorry about your weekend. But there's the, the passionate, people who are passionate about a sports team, they might wear their kit. And what makes me laugh when I talk about passion is so often we think it's a woman thing. But how many men do you know walking around in their team's kit? That is passion on display. I'm a Liverpool fan, I'm a Newcastle fan, I'm a Brentford fan, I'm a whatever you might be and you're strut round in your kit. I mean grown men wearing football kits for crying out loud. But it's passion on display. They'll follow the fixtures. When their team's doing terribly, they'll still back them in an argument. They'll still hope for the best, but really they're going through pain because their team's absolutely rubbish. But they're passionate about it. So it's, it's hope, it's pain, it's putting it on. This is passion. Do you hear me? Here's another definition of passion. Dropping your child off to nursery for the first time. All the women in the room go, because little Johnny or little Susie or whatever she might be called or he might be called, you've loved them and you've nurtured them and you've kept them to yourself for, for three or four years and the day comes when the right thing is to do to take them to nursery and you take them there and there's that horrible moment of passing them over. Now who knows, every single time, the first time you drop them off, they cry. And mum or dad or whoever's dropping those walks out of that place and you feel terrible. I'm the worst mum in the world. I'm the worst dad in the world. And here's what you do. You sit in the car and you have a little cry. Come on, you've all done it. You have a little cry. And do you know why you do that? 
Because it's not just that you love your child, you're passionate about your child. You want them to be okay, you want them to bond, you want them to have a good time, you want it to be a good experience. And so you're willing to go through the pain of it all because it's the right thing to do and you love them and passion just gets you through it. Are you with me? So any of you out there who had children in the future, if you walk around, sit in the car and cry, you can remember this message, you go, this is my passion on display. (laughs) Are you with me? My dad, my dad, I don't know if many of you have met my dad, but he's just an awesome guy. He's in his mid-70s now, but if we were to put a label on him, he would be a pastor. You know, he just loves people. You sit in the front room with my dad and he will get you pouring your heart out. Men, women, old, young, you just talk to my dad, he just, he somehow just pulls it out of you. You turn up absolutely fine. You talk to him, you're like, oh, I'm in my whole mess. <laughs> Because he's just summer. He's just this lovely, lovely, gentle man. The word he has on his life is a pillar. He's in our church and he sits at the back and not many people know he's there, but they remember when he's not there. Because he's just this pillar. He's there and he's strong and he's stable. He's a lovely, gentle guy. Well, when I was um, young in my football life, probably 11, 12 years old, I was showing a lot of talent. I got into a really good team. We used to beat teams convincingly. Our biggest ever win was 28 nil. And uh, yeah, we were that team. You know, the, t- the, the guys playing against us were defeated before they walked on the pitch. And, uh, but sometimes the teams who were, you know, semi-able to compete with us would just get aggressive because they started to go one nil down and two nil down and three nil down and then they just got frustrated. And I was that tricky little player who'd send you the wrong way and go the other way. And instead of thinking, oh, he's beat me, they'd just stop kicking out. And I was, you know, 11 years old. I come out, oh, my leg, my leg's hurting. And dad started chirping up because he's on the sidelines and my dad wears glasses. And about the hundredth time I got kicked, my dad started shouting to the referee, Ref, do you want to wear these? Do you want these, Ref? When are you going to protect him? Come on. And then I got kicked again and I went down, Ref, what on earth's the matter with you? The ref came over to my dad and sent him off. And he said, I'm not going anywhere. I'm not going anywhere. And the ref said, sir, if you don't go to your car, I will cancel the game. And so my dad's like this. But do you know what that was? Passion. You see, my gentle, loving dad, who's so pastoral, when he saw his son getting kicked all over the pitch, he had to step in. I can't just watch it happen. I'm passionate about my son. You're doing nothing for him. And now I'm putting it on display. It meant he got sent off. But as his son, I will always know how passionate he is about me. And that's a good thing. Come on, men. Let's be passionate people. Can I speak to the men? If you're in a relationship, or if you're in a marriage, or one day you hope to be in a marriage, can I tell you something? Your lady wants you to be passionate about her. Can I get an amen from the ladies? Oh, for crying out loud, was the least passionate amen I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> All the women want to be really passionate. Amen. <laughs> All the ladies want you to be passionate about them, don't they, ladies? Amen. There they were. They do. Now, I don't know what that might look like for you, but I know this. When your woman knows you're passionate about her, it gives her confidence. You know, Sarah's had a, a great career in work. And she's had her ups and downs with it. And she's had some bosses who I don't think have treated her very well. And she'll come home and... We need to learn this, men. When the women pour their heart out, they don't want answers. They don't want to be told what to do. They want you to listen. Two ears, one mouth. 
Us men, 15 mouths, no ears. She comes, oh, I can't believe it, Barry. They'd, you know, they'd cut my hours next week and I've been working so hard and I'm sitting there and I'm fuming. I can't believe it. Don't they even know what they've got in you? Oh, I think you should just leave. I'm going to go in, I'm going to say something. And by the end of it, I'm raging. And Sarah has to calm me down. But Sarah knows this. I am passionate about her. I am passionate about her. You know, I might be this nice, funny guy, but you touch my wife. I'll have you. Because I'm passionate about her. I'm also passionate about my kids. You know, my daughter Evie here on the front row, who's absolutely epic, stand up and give us a twirl. Evie, give her a round of applause. Woo! When Evie was a bit younger, maybe nine years old or so, she had an incident at school and uh, I wasn't happy about it. Got to be honest, I wasn't happy. A few things happened and uh, I was like, this isn't right. She's a great girl. She doesn't deserve to be treated like that. So I knew what I was going to do. I wrote to the school a strongly worded letter. (laughs) I sent it into the school and I was like, this, 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 this and this. And I was strong. It was great. It did the trick because they responded really well and sorted a few things out. But my daughter knows I'm passionate about her because she knows when push comes to shove, I will write a strongly worded letter. And now we sit at the table and every time I start getting upset about something, they go, oh no, here we go, strongly worded letter, Dad. (laughs) Passion often moves away from logic. You know, do I need to get upset about Sarah's workplace? Do I need to write a strongly worded letter? Does it make much difference? I don't know. But unless you put your passion on display, is it passion at all? Here's what you need to know. I'm passionate about you. Your senior leadership team here are passionate about you. When I hear people talking the church down, I'm going to write a letter. I'm going to stand up. I'm going to say, no, you don't even know these guys. Back down, soldier. Otherwise, I'll bring you the fivefold ministry. (laughs) But come on, let's be passionate people. You see, you can see this mix of emotion and commitment all through God's word. There are hundreds of characters we could talk about, but let me highlight a couple to you. We will all know John. John describes himself as the disciple that Jesus loved. We were looking at him this morning, those of you who are here, and how he describes himself as this fast runner who outrun Peter to the tomb. And he's just like, I'm the disciple that Jesus loves. And, and, And the disciples knew it. And the reason they knew it is because when they had to ask difficult questions, they were like, John, you ask him, you ask him. Go on, you're close, you ask him, you ask him. They're at the Last Supper. Jesus says, someone's gonna, someone's gonna stitch me up. And they're like, go on, John, ask him, who's it gonna be, who's gonna be, who's gonna be? Because he was a disciple Jesus loved. But John had this connection with Jesus. Jesus. He really knew what it was to love. He really knew what it was to to, to reach out to people and stand there for people. He understood. And we find John much later in his life, and he's a very old man now, and he's in Ephesus. He's so old, he he can barely stand up, he can barely walk, but he's still got this passion for people burning inside of him. His body is frail, but his passion is strong. And so they'd meet on a Sunday morning and they'd come out and they, he'd say to them, get me in front of the people, get me in front of the people. And they literally had to carry John out because he couldn't walk. But he was so passionate, he just had to be there. He couldn't stand aside. And he gave these, this message and he did it regularly. And his message went like this, children love each other. And then they'd carry him off. Now we're all wishing for that pastor and preacher right now, because we'd be home having a cup of tea by now. But he just said, children, 
love each other, carried him off. Because he couldn't bear to see God's people live beneath the standard of love. He was so passionate about it, even though he couldn't walk, he said, get me in front of them. I've got to say something. Children, love each other. There was this passion inside of him that had to have an expression to see God's people living a higher standard. Come on, could we do that? Children, love each other. What does that look like for you? I, I, I don't know, but there was this passion in him. I want to look at King Darius through this filter of passion. Now, King Darius was the king in the time of Daniel. Daniel in the lion's den, that Daniel. And uh, King Darius loved Daniel. Daniel had proved himself faithful. It served him really well. But the other people around Daniel got jealous and they didn't like it. And so they made this plan. They made this plan knowing that Daniel wouldn't be able to fulfill it. And they went to the king and they said, King, you know, what we should do is we should, we should make, make a decree that no one's allowed to pray or bow down to anyone but you, the king. And King Darius, being a man and being full of pride, thought, that sounds like a good idea to me, let's do that. But he didn't realise what was happening. And of course, Daniel wouldn't bow down. I'm not bowing down to anyone but my God. But you've got to remember, King Darius loved Daniel and he didn't realise what had happened. And I want to read you the story. It's here in Daniel chapter 6, verses 18 through 24. Now the king went to his palace and spent the night fasting because they've sent Daniel to the lion's den. He didn't eat. No musicians were brought before him. Also, his sleep went from him. Then the king arose very early in the morning and went in haste to the den of lions. And when he came to the den, he cried out with a lamenting voice to Daniel. The king spoke, saying to Daniel, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you serve continually, been able to deliver you from the lions? Then Daniel said to the king, O king, live forever. My God sent his angel and shut the lions' mouths so they have not hurt me because I was found innocent before him. And also, O king, I have done nothing, no wrong before you. Now the king was exceedingly glad for him and commanded that they should take Daniel up out of the den. So Daniel was taken up out of the den and no injury whatever was found on him because he believed in his God. And the king gave the command and they brought those men who had accused Daniel and they cast them into the den of lions, them, their children and their wives. And the lions overpowered them and broke all their bones into pieces before they ever came to the bottom of the den. Can you see the passion at work here? They've put this man into the lion's den whom I love. I can't go back on what I signed, but I've been stitched up. And so he went to bed and in his passion, he couldn't eat he couldn't sleep. He didn't want any entertainment. He just laid there thinking about it. That's passion. Because passion is linked to pain and suffering as well as joy and commitment and all these other things. There he was. I'm passionate about this guy. And what have I done? And then early in the morning, he's up there and he's running to the den. Daniel, are you okay? And Daniel says, yes, I'm okay. Because my God is the true God and he did protect me. But here's where passion loses logic. He threw the men and their wives and their children into the den. Seems a bit harsh to me, but I think sometimes that's where passion just overtakes people. Get rid of them all. Shove the lot of them. Because I'm passionate about this man. Can you see what passion does? 
Passion does something on the inside of you. And it's a whole mixture of words that we can't pin into one word, but we call it passion. I love this. And the reason I love it is because these stories build a picture of our God. Because our God is a passionate God. And what I came tonight to tell you is this. He is passionate about you. The King of heaven, the creator of the universe, doesn't just love you, and he does love you, but he is passionate about you. He is passionate about you. You know, the word calls us, his people, the apple of his eye, his treasured possession. The word says that he made us with reverence. He's passionate about you. He put hopes and dreams in you. And then what happens in life? Stuff comes at us. Fear. Lack, anxiety, insecurity, loneliness, hurt, ultimately death. All these things come at us. But the passionate, loving God says, no, I won't have it. I'm indignant on their behalf. I love these. They're my children. I'm passionate about him. I'm not going to let it escape. I'm doing something about it. And he puts his passion on display in Jesus. See, it has to have an expression. And Jesus is God's passionate expression of love to you. I love it. When Jesus speaks, they're asking him about what his father looks like. And he answers it like this in John 14 and verse 9. Jesus said to him, Have I been with you so long, and yet you have not known me, Philip? He who has seen me has seen the father. So how can you say, show us the Father? You see, Jesus is the exact representation of his passionate Father. And when we look at Jesus walking on earth, what do we see? He says, this is what my Father looks like. I see hungry people and I feed them. I see confused people and I teach them. I see lame people and I heal them to walk. I see accused people and I give them freedom. I see rejected people, and I accept them. That's what my father looks like, and he's passionate about you. He doesn't just love you, he's passionate about you, and it pains him to see a struggle and hurt. And so I don't know where you're at in life right now. I don't know what you're going through, but I dare say you're going through something. And you need to know this, he's passionate about you. And in the middle of your struggle, you can turn to the passionate father and say, Come on. Maybe the Father wants to write a strongly worded letter on your behalf. He's passionate about you. Uh, Give us a wave if you've seen the Passion of the Christ film. What an amazing film. If you've never seen that, I encourage you to watch it. It's a painful watch, but it's a good watch. And ultimately, the Passion of the Christ, the word passion means to suffer. So it's really the suffering of the Christ. And it looks at the last week as Jesus approaches the cross, and it's difficult to watch. But what it really says is this, I love you enough to go through this amount of suffering so that you could live. That is my passion on display. Yes, I love you, but it's even more than that. I'm passionate about you. And so when Jesus goes to the cross, he is able to overcome anything that comes at you. If you're anxious, he destroyed it at the cross. If you're in lack, he destroyed it at the cross. Even death, he overtook at the cross. Nothing can have you. And the reason it can't have you is because it had to have an expression of his passion. The passion of Christ ultimately becomes the thing you need most. He put his passion on display on the cross. 
He was wounded so you could be healed. He gave up everything so you could have everything. He died so you could live. He was rejected so you could be accepted. There was this exchange on the cross, which was an exchange of passion. I love you too much. I don't care what's coming at you. I'm stepping in. I love this idea of the Father in heaven saying, get off my kids. Come on, church, it's time for freedom. Come on, church, I don't know what you're going through, but there's a passionate Father in heaven who's overcome whatever you're going through. And all we need to do is tap into it and say, God, I need you right now. My dad in heaven, show me your passion. And watch your world shift because he has genuinely overcome everything. Sickness can't have you. Lack can't have you. It can't because of a passionate father who loves you. I love this idea that, you know, I, I don't know what's going on in your world, but whatever it is, it's coming at you. And it's, it's just like the father in heaven just says, no, and steps in. Boom. That's my father. Come on, who needs a moment with the passionate Father just so something will shift in your world? Who needs something to happen in your world which is a demonstration of what the cross really did? Well, it's accessible today. Come on, we don't need to live in fear. We don't need to live in lack. We don't need to live in sickness. We don't need to live in all the things that come at us. We don't need to because there was passion displayed on a cross that says, I have won. Come on, church, let's go and win. I love this. Zephaniah 3.17, you may well be familiar with this verse. The Lord your God in your midst, the mighty one will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you with his love. He will rejoice over you with singing. I love that. Have you ever even pictured what that is? You know, that's like, you know, Pastor Mark, I love you. You're awesome. You're the best thing ever. I'm going to just cheer you on in life. Susie, you're amazing, and I created you fearfully and wonderfully. Go and win. That's my father in heaven who created the very universe. He's singing over little old me, little old you. Why? Because he's passionate and he's into you. And I love this here, the mighty one will save. You see, what happens is we have this revelation of Jesus on the cross and that passion on display and what it really means. And the day will come where you'll say, yes, Jesus, I need you in my life. In that decision right there, you step from darkness to light. In that moment, you step from the kingdom of this world into the kingdom of heaven. It happens in a moment when you decide in your heart. But salvation, this idea of save is a salvation is also ongoing. Because who knows, the moment you pray that prayer or the moment you decide in your heart to give yourself to Jesus and let him in, we step into something, but you're not all sorted. I think sometimes we think we become a Christian, it's all a bed of roses. I wake up in the morning, it's like running through fields and life's lovely and wonderful and I'm a Christian and God loves me and he's passionate about me and oh, life's just amazing. Oh, look at those bunnies over there, they're lovely. No, that's not what it's like. But what it is like is that here I am in this situation and out of my relationship with a passionate father, he helps me to take a step. That the fear I once had doesn't hurt me as much. And I take a step and that fear that used to really get me, no, I'm learning what it's like to walk with Jesus. I'm stepping away from it. And over the course of time, I end up over here. And that fear that once had me is over there, but I'm living nearer Jesus. And salvation is a process. 
You see, the attitude I once had to money which kept me in lack, he's teaching me and it didn't happen overnight but I'm starting to get wiser with what I'm doing and lack was there and I've taken a small step and actually I'm handling my money differently and then faith gets involved and I start to handle it differently again I take another step and over the course of time, lack used to have me over here but generosity got me over here and it's because I went on a salvation journey. Some stuff happens instantly. Stepping from kingdom of darkness into kingdom of light, that's a moment in time. But salvation is a process. And a passionate father says, I'll go on that journey with you. And when you walk forward and you have a bad day and you stand, stumble back, the passionate father doesn't say, Alpha, crying out loud, Barry, what's the matter with you, man? He says, come on, my son. Come on, let's go again. Because I'm prepared to go on the journey with you. I love you enough to go through the pain and the heartache of whatever it is. But lack won't have you. Sickness won't have you. Anxiety won't have you. Because we're on a journey. Come on, I get more excited about this stuff than you guys do. Come on, our Father loves you. He's causing you to win. He's taking you on a journey. And it's a journey of passion. I love it. We're adopted as family. Here's a great question. Could we be as passionate about ourselves as he is about us? Because I think so often we look at ourselves and we look at ourselves negatively. Different variations of that probably in the room. But do you see yourself as God sees you? When you look at yourself in the mirror or you consider your life, your talents, your appearance, your financial situation, your health, do you see what God sees? Or do you see what the world's told you? And if we could connect with a passionate father and start seeing ourselves like he sees us, the, the apple of his eye. You know, I don't care what you guys want to say of me. I'm listening to that. Because what that does is make me puff my chest out and say, I count. I'm not the best thing in the world. I know that. But you know what? He loves me. And that gives me confidence. And I'm not going to end up over there because I'm on a journey over here. Could we stop fearing people? Could we stop fearing situations and know that we've got a passionate father who's on a journey with us? And the journey causes us to win. The word says he leads his church in triumph. That means to me, you and me win. We win. Now, there can be all kinds of voices in your world that say you're not going to win, but a passionate father who destroyed everything that could come against you says you're to win. But that's a passionate journey. Could we start embracing who the cross says we are? And stop listening to every other voice and what that says we are. Because the cross was passion on display saying, I have defeated it. And I defeated it not so that your life would be okay, but so that your life would be epic. And it doesn't mean everything's sorted, but it means there's an exciting journey ahead. That is the passionate father. But the passionate father wants some passionate kids to say, I'm running with you. You know, I love that in my own family. I'm passionate about them, but then they get passionate about me. So don't tell them all my preach was rubbish tonight because they'll come and do you. <laughs> Can you hear me though? Let the truth of the cross become your reality. Let the truth of the cross become what you stand on. Because there'll be a million other voices in your world telling you that's not how it is. But is that your truth or isn't it? And yet my Jesus went through a horrendous thing to hang on a cross when they're all jeering him, poking fun at him, putting crown of thorns on his head, and he just said, Father, forgive them. Wow. And he says, Barry, I did this so you could live. And my response to that has to be, I'm going to live then. I don't know all your names, 
but whatever your name is, I did this so you could live because I'm passionate about you. I know your name. I know how many hairs are on your head and I did this for you. And I didn't do it so you'd just stumble through and be okay. I did it so you'd have an epic journey. An epic journey of hope in your heart. And that could look different for all of us. But Jesus was God's passion on display for you. And he says, you're worth it. Could I ask us as a church just a handful of questions as we bring this together? I love the idea of if we love God, that we would become passionate about the things he's passionate about. There's that famous, I think it was a Hillsong song many years ago, and there was a line in there that says, break my heart for what breaks yours. I love that. Always gets me every time I sing it. Because my passionate father is not only passionate about me, he's passionate about you, and he's passionate about everyone who doesn't even know him. And yet he looks down at humanity and he sees the struggle and his heart breaks. Could we be the church who says, Lord, help me to see people and situations as you see people and situations. Break my heart for what breaks yours. Let me be passionate about the things you're passionate about, about the people you're passionate about. One of the things God's passionate about is that the church would thrive, that we would thrive. So if he's passionate about that, we want to be passionate about that. What does that look like in practical terms? That might look like serving. That might look like attending. It might look like being available. It might look like reaching out to each other. You know, through lockdown, I think we learned a lot of stuff, didn't we? How many of you had someone arrive and drop a coffee at your front door? How many of you had a parcel left for you? How many of you had an unexpected phone call or Zoom call? And you're like, wow, they care about me. That's the church looking out for each other. That's the church being passionate for each other. Let's never lose that. In fact, let's just get better at it. What does it look like for you to be passionate about this group of people? Because this is the church. And when you get passionate about this group of people, you're getting passionate about what God's passionate about. And that's a good look. And that's a look that God can get behind. What about being passionate to ease the suffering around us? When God looks down at humanity, breaks his heart to see children that aren't eating, to see marriages that are falling apart, to see kids getting bullied. You know, you can add to the list, unending list of suffering all around us. God's passionate about that stuff. Now, we might not be able to fix everything, but could you fix one thing? Could you make a difference to somebody? Because that's being passionate about what God's passionate about. Is there someone you could reach out to, have a phone call with? Is there a, a cause you could give some money to? Is there, I don't know what it looks like for you, but passion has to have an expression. It can't just be all that sad. We've got to step in. Because my God stepped in. And I want to follow his lead. Could we be passionate that other people would meet Jesus? You know, he's, he's hung on a cross, not just for me and you, but for your neighbour and for your parent and for your brother or sister or your friend, your work colleague. And they don't yet know. Could we pa be passionate that they get the opportunity to know? Because we know that it's the thing that changes your world. And I sometimes wonder, are we passionate about it? Or do we just think, oh, if only they met Jesus. 
Well, let's put some expression around that. Do you know what passion could look like? It could be an invite. We, I go to a great church. Come along. What are we scared of? Passion involves a bit of fear. I'm going to push through that fear because I'm passionate that you meet Jesus. Would you come? It might look like you're hearing people have a debate about faith, religion or the world and we all stand off at a distance. But maybe it's time to step in and say, I hear what you're saying, but this is what I think. Because you might just say something anointed that changes someone's world and it's been putting passion on display. Rather than, oh, that's a bit awkward. I don't agree with what they're saying, but they might judge me. They might not like me. Well, my Jesus might have been judged or not liked, but he went to a cross anyway to say, I love you. And could we just be passionate enough to say this matters? It matters to my Father, so it matters to me. Could we be people of passion? You could add to that list of things that God's passionate about. But my encouragement to you and what I am trying to stir in you is there has to be an expression to some of this stuff. It's not okay just to drift along with my own salvation. We've got to get some passion in us, church. And the reason I feel able to do this is because I was flicking through our website and you flick down to the Essex bit and there's a lovely mug shot of me. And there's some bio underneath it. I didn't write the bio. In fact, I don't even know who did write the bio. I think it was someone from here. But whoever that was, if you hear this, thank you. Because this is what it says. And I don't want to get this wrong. It says this, Barry is one of the most passionate people we know. And I love that, not because it's bigging me up, because it represents my father. And I just want to be a guy that represents my father. And if that means putting my passion on display, I'm putting my passion on display. And if that offends someone, tough. Come on. Could you be that person? Could you be that person? Because the day will come when we stand before Jesus and I want him to say, Barry, well done. When you could have retreated, you stepped up. When you could have backed off, you stepped in. When you could have said it's sad, you you stepped up. You represented me. And I want that moment just to be a moment of celebration between me and my King. And we all get that opportunity and the opportunity is right now. I believe tomorrow, every single one of you will get an opportunity to put passion on display. And in that moment, you can choose yes or no. But I believe if you choose yes, you'll be so pleased with yourself. You'll go to bed tomorrow night going, that was brilliant. I stepped up. And who knows that when you step up once, you get encouraged to step up again and again. And in a year's time, you find yourself being passionate in ways you never thought you could be passionate about, but it had to start somewhere. Is it a journey of passion for you? But there has to be some passion. Has something robbed your passion? The trouble is we take knocks in life and people do say stuff and things do happen. And in the end, if we're not careful in the course of life and all the troubles and strife, our passion just gets squashed. It's today the day we say, Jesus, can you just lift all that stuff off me? Because I want to put the passion that's underneath all the issues on display again. 
And here's the great thing. Jesus can do that. Jesus can do that. All the hurt you've been through, and I'm sure you have, and you think, what's the point, Barry? You talk about passion, but you don't know my story. Jesus knows your story. And Jesus says, I can do it because I defeated it on a cross. And I want to step into your world and say, get off. Let my child express themselves. Is today the day you say, Lord, just take it off me. I want to express myself. You say you made me fearfully and wonderfully. You say I'm the apple of your eye and yet I'm squashed under the weight of the world. And Jesus said, yeah, but I overcame the world. And he can take it off. And then you can get freedom again. And I'm not saying you'll suddenly become the most passionate person in the world, but you might take a step. And you might be encouraged. And you might be able to start pushing away the things that have squashed you, the people that have squashed you, the words that have squashed you, the incidents that have happened to you that have squashed you because you believe that the cross is true for you, that Jesus actually defeated the things that come at you. Not just a song I sing, not just a feeling in my heart, but my truth. And suddenly the church becomes passionate. A dream I have in my heart of the church is that I bring some of my unchurched mates and many of them are football blokes and drinkers and lads, you know, the kind of guys. And if they were to come into a church, I think they'd have an expectation of what church looks like. But my dream is we come in and there is such freedom in the church that it goes off the charts. You know, that the worship kicks off and we know God is a passionate God who sings over us and we get to respond to that. And so the first drum beat goes up, the first keyboard plays down, the first guitar is strummed and suddenly the church is like, yes, Jesus! And then all my mates are like, Well, I want to see that. I want to see my mates blown away by the passion that's in the church because the only passion they see is in a football stadium right now. And yet they're cheering 22 blokes kicking a bunch of leather around a pitch. And we're celebrating the King of Kings. We're celebrating the one that defeated everything that could ever come at us. We need to have some passion. I want my mates to see it. But unless we're going to express it, they'll never see it. And I just know this. I've been to a whole bunch of parties in my life. Some good, some bad. But the best parties I've been to are where you turn up and everyone just throws themselves into it. You know, if you go to a fancy dress party and everyone's made a half token effort, you know, they've put a little false beard on or something. It's just like, all right, you half got dressed up. But when you go to the party and everyone's hired an outfit, doing a funny accent, put on a funny walk, it's like you walk like, that's a brilliant party. Everyone proper threw themselves. It was hilarious. What about so-and-so Scottish accent? Oh, that was hilarious. Brilliant. Why? Because they threw themselves into it. Wouldn't it be awesome if we turned up every Sunday and the church threw themselves into it? Jesus, you're worth it. I'm putting my passion on display to you this morning. Now for you, that might look like a jump up and down or a clap. I don't know what it might look like, but there has to be an expression so that when people who don't know Jesus come to church, they see some passion in you. And it can't just be two or three of us. It needs to be all of us saying, you are worth it. And I love you. Are you with me, church? I'd love to pray for you. Would you just get to your feet?
Jesus. Jesus. Could I just encourage you to close your eyes and take a moment? No rules, you don't have to. I think it's helpful. Just with every eye closed, I wonder if there's people in this room right now who really relate to that idea of, I want to express my passion, but I feel like I'm squashed under the weight of life. Things have happened to me, been said to me, and I just know I'm squashed. If that's you, I want to pray for you today. So every eye's closed. Just give me a wave. Raise your hand. Let me see you. Bless you. Bless you. Bless you. Bless you. Bless you. Oh, lots of people. Bless you. Bless you. Bless you over there. Come on. You don't need to know who they are. But you can know you can play a part in this prayer. We all pray together, don't we? We all stand together. I'll do the words, but you can amen. Is there some faith in the room that Jesus can actually do what He said He can do? Could these people actually leave different to the way they came in? Lord, I just lift up every amazing person who's acknowledged their situation. Squashed. The weight of life got on top of them. It's difficult. I lift them up to you right now. And by faith, and in the name of Jesus, I say every weight that is on you, get off in Jesus' name. Every word spoken over you, I just decrease it in Jesus' name. Every incident that's happened to you, I squash it in Jesus' name. And I speak freedom over you, freedom in the name of Jesus, freedom to express yourself. I'm just getting the word confidence. I say confidence, rise up. Know who you are. You've got a contribution to make. You're an amazing person. The King of Kings loves you. It's time to let the passion out. It's time to express something. It's time to put it on display because you're awesome. Now here's what I want you to do. I need you to make a choice. So much of these things are a choice. I need you to choose with me right now to say today's a new day and I choose to respond differently. I choose to believe the cross more than I believe the words or the situation. I choose. Come on, so much of salvation is a choice in faith. I bless you. I release you in Jesus' name. I speak healing over you and I'm excited on your behalf because as you walk out this place, There's going to be opportunity after opportunity after opportunity and you're going to respond differently and it's going to encourage you. It's going to allow joy to spring up in you. Be released in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Last thing before I step down, just again as we keep our eyes closed and give each other a moment. Is there anyone here today who wants to lead this place right with Jesus? Maybe you've never been right with Jesus. Maybe you were once and you've let it slip. It's today the day you want to say, I need you, Lord. I've had a fresh revelation that you did it all for me. Is there someone today who says, yes, I want to put that right? I'm going to pray a prayer. And if we can all pray that after me together as a church, let's pray like this. Thank you, Jesus, that you love me just as I am. But you love me enough to not leave me as I am. I commit myself into your hands. You are welcome in my heart. 
lead me forward. And all God's people said, Amen, Amen. Thank you for listening today. If you'd like to connect with Equippers Church, then please visit equippers.co.uk and say hello. And if you enjoyed today's message, you can subscribe and share it with a friend.